and welcome to Mavs Daily, where most days of the week we are breaking down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today, now that he's finished celebrating Miami's victory in Game 3 of the Finals, we've got a big, I don't know, Duncan Robinson fan here with me. He's Isaac Harris. What's up? What's up, Bobby? Man, if... I mean, as Mavs fans, you're just trying to figure out right now, like, who are you rooting for in the finals as a Mavs fan? You have Lakers, Heat. I mean, it's like worst case scenario kind of, but I mean, I'm swinging Heat right now, mainly because Dwayne Wade's just not with the Heat anymore. So I can, uh, I can rock with the Heat. It's such a fun team. I hate that it's the Heat that is across their chest, but it's just such a fun team to root for. And I just want to say I'm rooting for Dragic good friend of Luca and Jay Crowder. So we're rooting for those two guys. Yeah. Good Mavs connections on that team. Uh, even though of course, you know, what happened in 2006 and then again in 2011, uh, I know everyone's feels, you know, still a little sour about that and rightfully so, but none of those guys are here anymore. You know, I mean, unless you're just sure. like a real big Udonis Haslam hater or something, <laughs> but then it's like, I mean, you know, get over yourself. Uh, I think, uh, if nothing else, Everybody should be rooting for the Heat because uh, a certain point guard plays for the Lakers, who used to be on the Mavs. Yes. And so I feel like that's something that can unify uh, the entire Mavs fan base. But yeah, I'm with you. That Miami team is fun to root for. And in fact, I, I know I talked about it with Skin, and I think you and I even talked about it before, where it's just like, look, they play hard. They're fun. You know, I, I don't feel bad or weird rooting for them. And now I, I'm not exactly like you and I aren't really fans per se. I mean, it's definitely better when the Mavs win. I'm in a better mood, and life is better whenever the Mavs win. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I don't want to, like, speak for the fan base or anything. But uh feels like it's okay to root for the Heat. You don't have to sort of be, feel sports conflicted about it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's a, a different era, if we want to say. And, uh, I mean, you could say the same thing about the Lakers, but the Lakers are at the Lakers. And I've, I just grew up disliking the Lakers, so that – that was just how I was, and uh, the Heat, yeah, it's a, it's a new era. I didn't, like, hate Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, Glenn Rice Heat. I didn't hate the, those Heat teams. Uh, I hated the, you know, the teams that we know, but this Heat team, no, I don't hate this team. It's a fun team, and I like seeing a lot of those guys, a lot of the pieces come together to, yeah, I like it. Yeah, absolutely, and, I mean, it does help that Duncan Robinson did go to Michigan, so that is something, too. There you go. Oh. Your boy. Yeah, let's so let's go eat. You know, let's go eat. Let's go eat. And they got a couple Kentucky guys so, too. And everybody knows that even though you're a North Carolina fan, you also rep Kentucky, kind of, sort of. So, so somebody somebody clip that Bobby quote saying "Let's go eat." Somebody just clip it and screen record it, and then just tweet it at Bobby and say, "This is is this you?" That only is valid for the next what, like seven days or something. However That's long true. this series That's will go, true. and then after that, it's out the window. Then I'm all, let's go, Mavs. From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered. And it's more than just the scores. From all the offseason moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Speaking of the Mavs, today we are continuing 
our player recap bonanza 2020. And uh, we were doing a double dip today. We were talking about two backup point guards on the roster. Uh, both did start several games this season, though, but primarily they are uh, super subs, if you will. We were talking about Jalen Brunson and DeLon Wright, two guys who, in some respects, were kind of competing against each other for playing time. Uh, we did a similar thing with Courtney Lee and Justin Jackson, so it's kind of good to get these wholesome, friendly team rivalries together. Um, but yeah, two good dudes, Jalen and DeLon. And since Jalen is more of the, uh, the, the, the longer tenured Mav by one year, we're going to start with him because seniority rules. So uh, this season for Jalen, second year in the NBA, his numbers are strikingly similar to last season. This year he averaged eight points, three assists, and two and a half rebounds, uh, 0.4 steals, 46% from the field, 36 from three and 81 from the free throw line. Uh, shot significantly better from the free throw line this season, but otherwise pretty much the same. Uh, even per 36 minutes, his numbers were very similar too. So uh, generally by now, I mean, I, I feel like even though his season was cut short due to that freak injury uh, on that common foul by Dwayne Dedman, uh, feels like everybody kind of knows what Jalen is going to give you, and he's only been in the league for two years, but of course it feels like he's been around for 20. Um, rarely makes mistakes, uh, even if he's not like the the go-to scorer, he's still a really good source of offense because he can make plays for other people. We saw when Luka was out, missed five games in December with that ankle sprain. Uh, Jalen came in and I think had two double-doubles, had a really good game against Philly whenever they went up there and won, uh, had a good game against Miami, and I think he made some plays against Milwaukee too whenever they beat the Bucks. So uh, he can definitely produce if given the opportunity, but you can count on him coming off the bench too. Just feels like he's a really reliable player. I don't know. I don't really have any anything negative to say about his game. I love his game. I really like him. I think he's a good dude. I wouldn't say yeah. that we're friends. Well, I would say that we're friends. I don't think he would say that we're friends, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we get along really well. I, I, I'm a big, big Jalen Brunson fan, Isaac. Yes, man, it, especially content-wise, man. He, he's fun. If you're a Mavs fan, you probably follow him on social media. He's a fun Twitter follow, uh, Instagram follow. He's a good interview uh, for media you know, sake. And uh, from our perspective, he's fun to be around in the locker room, everything like that. I remember talking to him at Media Day, I think it was this year. Yeah, it was this year. Uh, going into his second uh, season and I remember you know talking to him for a bit and he uh it was incredible talking to him about team chemistry and I remember him giving me that line that stuck with me all year he said if we are like a really good basketball team and we're winning a lot of games it's because of how close we are and he just he knows the importance of team chemistry because I mean you see where he came from with Villanova and I mean he literally had one of the best collegiate careers ever uh, in uh, college basketball. And, you know, he was an older guy. He came into the league when he was 22. And I, I remember, I mean, you remember too, like when, when the Mavs drafted him, I remember Finley being all about this guy. And the Mavericks, you know, at that first press conference, uh, I, guess, I guess it was the double one of him and Luca together. You know, they were just harping on – and you hear this – I will say, you do hear this with a lot of teams, a lot of franchises, when they take a player late in the first or early second. It's like, oh, I can't believe they were there, blah, blah, blah. But with Jalen Brunson, he was so 
Um, he did have so many accolades coming out of college and he was this older point guard coming to the league and Dallas is, you know, Rick and Finley and them guys were like, Hey, we had a, like a lottery first round grade, you know, grade on this guy. And they got him there early in the second round. So they, I mean, from the very beginning, Dallas was so excited to get him. And honestly, since then, He's been so consistent. You said reliable. Reliable is a heck of a word for it because it's like when you when Jalen's in the game, you know exactly what you're going to get. And he gives them that steady. He raises your floor of any team. He, I think he's a floor raiser if if y'all get that. And uh, yeah, I just I love what he, he brings. You. He gives you that secondary playmaker. And the moment that the news came out that he was having the shoulder surgery and he was going to be out for the bubble, I was super bummed because – you know, that was before Trey Burke. So he did. And like Brunson gave the team that, that secondary playmaker when, when Luca wasn't on the floor, or even when Luca was on the floor, he gave you that guy that can like run the offense, go get, get you a bucket sometimes. And so I was super bummed. And so I think it's kind of, it's a, it's a conversation you have to ask yourself now, looking back on, you know, what would he, what would have, what Brunson's role looked like if, Trey Burke was there, or what would Trey Burke's role in the bubble? I mean, he, he had kind of a little coming out party. Well, in the would he have even Trey been Burke. on the team? I guess Ex- is the- that's that's the bigger question. Would Trey Burke even be on the team if Brunson didn't have the shoulder surgery? And I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, that, yeah, I, mean I don't think I so guess either. So I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, 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 no I don't think so, so at all. And would have would Brunson have produced like Trey Burke did. We don't, we don't know. So that's the, that's the thing for Brunson, even going to off season that, you know, Trey Burke's a you know free agent. And do they try to bring Trey back? Is that like a, is that a training camp battle that we want to look, you know, we look at next, uh, next, what, I don't even know what to call it next, not summer, not fall, whatever training camp is. Hopefully, hopefully this winter, we can say this winter. Yeah. Is that a training training camp in a month or so from now? Is yeah. that a battle? We could be, we could be watching and stuff. So I was super bummed. Brunson didn't get to play in the bubble. Yeah. Well, and also too, I mean, just for his own kind of the benefit of experience, right? Even though he did go on a lot of tournament runs in March with uh, Villanova, it is different doing it at the NBA level, you know, so it would have been nice for him to get the, the playoff experience, but um yeah, I mean he'll they'll be back hopefully next season whenever that is, and and he'll be able to experience it for the first time, uh, hopefully with fans too. But it's interesting that you bring up Trey Burke because Burke did perform really well in the bubble, and I think we agree he probably wouldn't have been there had Brunson been there. And so now you're kind of in this position where coming into the summer or the the off season, uh, Burke is obviously going to be a free agent, and I don't think anybody in the league thinks that he is not going to get an offer from somebody, you know, probably somebody's he'll have multiple suitors. I think the Mavs are very interested in bringing him back. I think Burke would be interested in coming back to Dallas. The system was a really good fit for him and he was a good fit for it last season. Whenever he, uh, he came over in that trade with the Knicks and he was very good again in it this year. So it feels like it's a really good match. I think that he and Brunson, I mean, it depends on the on the rest of the roster. You know, obviously, like DeLon Wright, who we're about to talk to in a little bit, also plays point guard. And so, you know, you have Luka on your team who's going to be playing 30, 35 minutes a game at point guard. So you don't necessarily need 37 guards on your team. But uh, Luka's going to miss time, right? He's going to not play 48 minutes every game. 
And, you know, you saw in the playoffs, if, if he sprains his ankle or whatever or misses a game, then you need a lot of playmakers. And whenever he's on the bench, you need a lot of playmakers. And, heck, even when he's out there, we saw how big a lift Burke's presence was uh, to Luka and how big a boost it was to the offense because you could swing it from side to side and multiple guys can make things happen. And so uh, I, I think that Brunson – we saw Brunson his rookie year. He could play well with Luca. We saw Burke in the bubble. He can play well with Luca. And I gotta think that Brunson and Burke could probably play really well together too. So if mm. if if you are able to bring back Burke, um, I, I am assuming Brunson is gonna spend like his entire career in Dallas. I know that the franchise loves him. I just that's just a fact. So um, if if you have a Brunson and Burke off the bench with whoever else, even Delon Wright, you can go three guard. I mean Delon Wright can play small forward. Uh, then you have a lot of playmaking. You have quickness. Uh, you have guys who have wits about them, or you know, very clever playmakers. Can play with Luca. Can play without Luca. And we both know, man, that is the most important thing. If you're a guy under like six six, can you play with Luca? Right. You yeah. can handle the ball. You can do everything you want. But if you can't play with seventy seven, and if you can't defer to him, and if you can't be effective in the few times that you do get the ball kind of in a position to initiate offense, then you're not going to be able to be on the floor whenever Luke is out there. And of course he's playing 35 minutes a game. So you want to be out there. Uh, so that's a, that's a quality that Brunson showed last year. And also, uh, you know, kind of reminded us all of this year, confirmed this year, if you will, that, that he can play with Luca. And I think he can play with Burke too. And now what's really interesting about him is that offensively, I think he's almost a starting caliber player. Uh, you know, he was pretty good as a starter his rookie season. Of course, the team was going through like, a, you know, kind of a rebuild, midseason rebuild. So the results weren't as important. Um, but I, I think that he could be a starting caliber point guard soon, if not already there. Uh, defensively is where things are kind of interesting because he is a little bit smaller uh, and, and does kind of, you know, he's, he's prone to getting, you know, kind of buried by screens and things like that. But uh, did you know, Isaac, that the team's defensive rating this season when he was on the floor was 105.6, which was the best of any player on the team outside of wow. Cauley Stein, MKG, and Josh Reeves, who all played, you know, they, they all played like a dozen or fewer games. Um, 105.6, which relative to the rest of the league, that would be like in the top five. And, and to be fair, a lot of Brunson's minutes were against the bench players. Uh, you know, teams benches are always going to score worse than their starting lineup and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. It just it seems like it seems like he's one of those glue guys on the floor, right? Where everybody yeah. on offense, you know, again, even if he's not scoring all the points, everybody else flourishes whenever he's on the floor. And maybe defensively, he could have the same thing too. I don't know. I I, I don't know. But it's just. It seems like no matter how you evaluate it, it's again, it's just really hard to not be a huge Jalen Brunson fan. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Defensively, I have the bigger question marks on it. Just, you know, I, I think he can get better, better defensively. I think that's safe to say, um, you know, he shot 35% from three. I would love to see that go, go up a little bit more, but one of the biggest things when you talk about, can they fit next to Luca? I like to look at some of these players, their catch and shoot stats and their percentages on, on those shots. Because if you play with Luka Doncic, you're going to get some catch and shoot opportunities. And for, for Jalen Brunson last year, going to some synergy numbers here, uh, he had an excellent rating on synergy, 1.5 points per possession on unguarded catch and shoot shots. And even on guarded, he was at, he was above one on that too. So he's, he's a very good catch and shoot shooter. Uh, he has some really good pick and roll numbers too, but I think when you look at where this is financially, this is where, it's key to have somebody like Brunson 
because they get Brunson at pick 33. And this is where, if you're following along with the Mavericks draft picks right now, you know that Mavericks are slated at that 31 right there in the beginning of that second round. And if you've read some things, you, you see people talking about how, how coveted that spot is, those early 30 picks, because they have a different type of contracts and guaranteed money compared to these first-round picks. So for Brunson, a couple years ago, at that 33rd overall pick, he's slotted at next season at $1.6 million. I mean, that's a, that's a bargain. That's a steal that's right like there. That's below the league minimum, basically. I mean, for, yeah, for so, veteran players. So that's where, when, when you get teams like Dallas that are starting to get some bigger contracts on their book and having KP at that max contract, a Luka, a bigger Luka extension will be coming over the next couple of years and, you know, whatever they want to do with the rest of the roster. When you can find key rotation pieces like Jalen Brunson, that are on these second, you know, these second round low below minimum type of deals, but they're logging big minutes for you. That's that is the that's the moves right there that Donnie and them can pull off. And when you have somebody like Jalen Brunson making under two million dollars, I mean, I almost feel bad about that. I mean, that that's a steal right there. Well, I mean, if you want, you can contribute your salary to JB's GoFundMe <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, and and. The Mavs have kind of had success. You know, this isn't a draft podcast yet, but uh, they've had some success in the early 30s with Brunson, Jay Crowder, a couple other guys over the years. And that's a range where it, it's interesting because teams at the bottom of the first round are typically not trying to fill many roster spots. So they're more likely to take like either super project guys that they can stick in the G League for a couple years or uh you know, stash guys. Basically, they're going to stay in Europe for a year or two. And so at the top of the, at the, top of the second round I guess like it from 31 to 35 or so you're having all the best players that weren't drafted in the first round typically they're going to be a little older because young guys have more potential than 22 year olds for some reason 22 year olds oh, one, of my, one of my biggest pet peeves of the whole draft thing dude 100 percent, 100 percent. if you're Brandon 22, Clark you're, the fact that people passed on Brandon Clark it's insane because he was an old, old, it drives me nuts it's insane but. it is absolutely insane that he he was what the 21st pick or something was stupid. Yeah. That was stupid. He was a top, he was a top five player in the draft. Like that was not even exactly. But he's he's like twenty one. So dude, the guy's way over the hill, way past his prime. Get out, get out of here. Yeah. So it's really silly. But anyway, so that's where you're gonna have guys that have spent three, four years in college, or maybe have played overseas for a couple years, whatever. They're gonna be a little older. They're not nineteen. Uh, and then you have some teams like Dallas who don't care about that. They would have taken Brunson if they had the twentieth pick. They probably would have taken Brunson twentieth overall. They don't care how old you are. In fact. Being a little older might almost be an advantage because you have a little more, maybe your basketball IQ is a little more developed or whatever. Um, you know, you have a better idea of strengths and weaknesses and, and things like that. So anyway, whatever. We'll talk about that later, um, you know, when it gets closer to the draft. But, but yeah, I'm with you. Having Brunson at that cost control contract for a, a few years is, is really big for them. Um, okay, real quick. Uh, over under, let's say, nine and a half years that Brunson spends in Dallas. What do you think? Oh, oh I'm taking the over. Yeah. He, he's the he's the new age JJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson. So he's gonna go to Minnesota for a few years and then come back. No, no, we're, 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 we don't even acknowledge that portion of JJ's oh, career. Okay. Oh, okay, that lifelong is erased from yes, lifelong that is erased from history. Uh, okay, so this is not just a Jalen Brunson podcast, Isaac. We've been talking about him for a little bit, but we have a second half to this bad boy. We are going to talk about Delon Wright, who I believe. Was there was did he sign the biggest contract of their free agents this summer? Of course, excluding KP, who was technically a free agent but was already on the team. 
He was their biggest uh, financial acquisition this summer, correct? Yes. Yeah, because it was just over. Yeah, it was just over resigning Maxi. It was just over Seth Curry going into that uh, exception. Yeah. I mean, it was a signing trade with Memphis. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. So Dallas got. DeLon Wright, of course, they were uh, interested in a couple of whatever big name guys, big money guys, uh, didn't work out, and so they on July eighth is when it happened. But I I want to say they agreed to the deal on either July first or July second. Free agency last year started on June thirtieth, so everything is like a day later. Uh, but it was pretty early in free agency that they agreed to Memphis on the sign and trade. DeLon, of course, spent the first three-plus years of his career in Toronto, spent the second half of last season with Memphis where he was awesome. He had back-to-back triple-doubles against the Mavs, <laughs> which uh, I'm, I'm sure did him some favors uh, in, in getting Dallas to want him. So Dallas traded uh, the the rights to Satam Singh along with a couple second-round draft picks, future draft picks, uh, for DeLon who came here and figured to be the starting point guard but actually didn't start on opening night Courtney Lee did DeLon did start on the second game of the season in New Orleans but it ended up just starting five games all year though he did average 21 points per game and he gave you or 21 minutes per game not points oh my god he gave you seven points uh, four rebounds three assists 1.2 steals he shot 46 from the field 37 percent from three which was the second best mark of his career um, and then uh, shot 77% from the free throw line. We did a, a, a episode about DeLon earlier before the season restarted, I guess it was, you and me, Isaac. And we talked about basically at the time, I, I forget what the stats were, but basically the the more minutes he got or like the, the more he produced, I guess, the more likely it was for the Mavs to win. Like their, their win differential – uh, their their record whenever he scores double digits or whenever he gets two steals or whenever he gets five assists like it's all significantly positive uh, so you know if he's giving you stuff then you're probably going to win um, but there was kind of just like a sort of a degree of inconsistency with his game this season that was kind of surprising to me um, because whenever he was on he was awesome I mean we saw him have a huge impact on that game in New Orleans second game of the season uh, whenever they went to L.A. and they beat the Lakers, he was arguably their best player in the first half. But it took Luka a while to get going. He didn't really wake up until the third quarter. Uh, DeLon and Justin Jackson were the guys that were carrying you through the first half of that game. So he made some pretty big contributions, was big against Denver, the game right before the hiatus. Um, so, I mean, he, he had some high moments, and then he had some games where he maybe wasn't as effective. But I guess that's what you expect kind of from – uh, from your reserves is that you know you're going to ride the hot hand and on a team that has a lot of guards you got DeLon you had Brunson before he got hurt you had Trey Burke after uh, and then you have JJ Barea of course as well to go along with Luca. you have a lot of options so you can just kind of roll with whoever's hot um, so I guess uh, what did you think generally about DeLon's season and and kind of how he fits in with this thing yeah, I think, man, it's he's like the definition of a roller coaster this past season because even when they, they traded for him, you know, at the time he was 27, they made this trade with Memphis. Memphis wanted to go, you know, kind of – they almost gave the same type of deal to Trey Jones. Uh, I think – I Trey, Trey Jones. Or it was one of the Jones brothers. I might, I might be getting – Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Yes, yeah. yeah, so it was Tyus. Yeah. Trey's at Duke are about to come out. Um, so Trey they, Jones they almost, is still in college? They, I think he's coming out in this draft. Oh wow, huh. I think so. But yeah, it was tied. So anyway, yeah. So they so they basically swapped them out, give them similar deals. They they trade you know Delon to Dallas, and 
you know, for, for Mavs fans, we're looking at we're like, hey, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, bigger point guard, defensive type of point guard, shot 37, I think, yeah, I think it was 37% from three in Toronto when, you know, back on that good Toronto team coming off the bench. He was playing alongside Van Vliet uh, and kind of this dual ball handling type of, you know, role off the bench. And you're like, okay, cool. He, he played off the ball there against, you know, or with Van Vliet. And uh, he played in that system. He had a defined role. He could come in into Dallas. Rick Carlisle, I think, was uh, open. He did an interview and stuff before the season. And I remember him kind of referencing DeLon as like, you know, a starter in a way. It's like they're kind of viewing him that way. You know, then training camp comes. And I think he, he got hurt. I think he tweaked something early on in training camp or early on in preseason because I remember wondering, I'm like, okay, now we'll see if DeLon, if this is like for sure DeLon's spot. Or it's he's gonna give it up if it's gonna if he's gonna lose that, and you know he never really fully gained that whether he really came in as the starter because yeah he only started in five games uh, in the seventy three games that he played and he had those moments. It's also important to remember like Delon's not a guy that you're gonna aver- you know he's you're not gonna expect thirty points a game from Delon. He's he's almost like the 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 definition of a non box score guy. How many times do we see Rick Carla after a game that DeLon had, I don't know, 10 points in, and Rick Carla will specifically call him out after the game and say, DeLon Wright played an incredible game tonight. He had, you know, deflections and steals, and he was in passing lanes and defense and all this different stuff because he that's his type of game. And when he does it well and when it is consistent, you see the impact it has on winning basketball. And it's just there was, there was a, a – consistency uh there was a lacking consistency throughout the season and then the bubble hits and then the playoffs hit and I think that was almost kind of a a low probably the lowest moment for him because he only he only plays in four out of the six games in the playoffs Trey Burke kind of steps in and kind of replaces him in a way in the rotation uh but yeah I do want to give him a a shout out too for his three-point percentage I know it was only a three and a half a game but one that was one of the biggest questions for him coming into Dallas like hey how can he shoot because going back to your original thing can you play alongside Luka Doncic then you have to be able to hit a three and he only attempted a three and a half a game but he did shoot 37 percent from three this year so I I want to give him credit for that yeah and 37 percent is a great mark and now he did he's kind of one of the guys along with Maxi and Dorian who really only take them when they're wide open. But I don't yeah. view that as like a bad thing because it means that like they're going to work for a better shot. You know, like if they're not, go- yeah. they're not going to force anything. I don't know. They kind of let it come to them. I-, I don't really view that as like a negative uh, in a sense, even though it kind of is like a backhanded compliment to say that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, and his shot looked really good, to be honest. You could see kind of early in the season, he was really hesitant to take the shot. I think just generally, he sort of didn't trust it. But as the season went on, it pretty much became like, if he was open, he was going to shoot. And he even took, a, I think he took a couple step backs one time. He took a couple off the bounce, like whenever he was really kind of feeling himself and getting into a rhythm and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think generally their goal for him is to be a defensive disruptor who can defend multiple positions. So not just point guards, you know, I, having, having Brunson and Burke who are sort of quicker guys feel like Wright might be better suited anyway to defend slightly longer guys, like, you know, long twos, like, you know, maybe James Harden, even though Dorian actually does a really good job against James Harden, but those kind of players, like slightly bigger guys, I feel like DeLon could be really good against. And then also your Dame Lillard's and some guards, some point guards too, where his length can be, uh, a, a really kind of this disrupting force 
and he stole a lot of entry passes. He's really good at intercepting passes from like point blank, which is really weird. The art of entry pass, man, that's like my biggest pet peeve. You, if you turn it over making an entry pass, you belong on the bench. But uh, Delon, Delon dupes a lot of guys into giving it away, and he's really good at poking balls loose and you know kind of reaching around guys when they might not expect it or whatever. He's got a really long wingspan, has good instincts and everything like that. Um, and so, you know, on a team starved for defenders, I feel like everybody sort of assumed that he would play a lot of minutes, but things shifted pretty quickly toward instead of trying to be a top 15 defense, let's just be the best offense of all time. And so if you yeah. were doing anything to sort of take away from the offensive engine that this team had, then it was going to be tough to find steady minutes. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, that kind of cost a lot later on because they brought uh, Trey Burke in. You figure, okay, with no Brunson – probably going to be a lot more DeLon going into the bubble, but then Trey Burke was such a huge player for them offensively, especially once KP left the Clippers series. You needed as much scoring as you could possibly have, and so I wonder if all things were equal. You know, if Brunson was there, they obviously probably wouldn't have gotten Trey Burke at all, but even if they did, if they still had Luka and KP for the entire Clippers series, would DeLon have gotten into the game more to defend somebody like Paul George, who I think he could maybe guard? Uh, or would it have still been, you know, kind of Trey Burke and, and, and more of the offensive approach? But, yeah, moving forward, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think Rick obviously likes DeLon off the bench, and I know DeLon prefers to start if possible. So that's that's sort of like a, a, a friction, I guess. But uh, I think it was all good. I mean, whenever DeLon had good games, he got a ton of minutes. I mean, Rick wants to roll with him. Rick understands the, the importance of having defense at the point guard spot and at the, at the two guard spot. So, you know, hopefully there is – kind of a, a future for right here. Um, I feel like he could be really – I mean, I, I I know everybody, like, really turns the three-guard lineups into a meme, but a few years back it was Berea, Devin Harris, Yogi Ferrell off the bench. It feels like Brunson, Burke, and DeLon could be really good I, I, as a bench group with whoever, with, you know, if, if it's Maxi or if it's Dwight Powell, if you want to start KB at the five or whatever, like I feel like your bench unit can be really good with those three guys. It's a lot of playmaking, a lot of ball handling, enough shooting to get by, and enough defense too to shut down backup guys. I, I feel like that could be really effective, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a eternal optimist homer. Well, that that was one of my questions for you is, what position does he play next year and or and or does it matter what position he plays? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess he would probably, I mean, he's probably an off guard, right? Cause I mean, if he's coming off yeah. the bench, Brunson is like your point guard. And if he's playing with starters, obviously it's Luca. So, I mean, I, I guess off guard, but he's not really a classic off guard in the sense of like, you know, you think of like Lou Williams or somebody like that. I mean, I, I guess he's more of like a, he's almost a small forward on offense, but he can handle the I ball. Know, that, he's that, like a point forward kind of, but he's six, five. I don't know. Really unique player. And I love players that are kind of weird and Delon is like he's got a weird game it's really unusual you know so I'm just a huge fan of that but uh but yeah what do you think well yeah he gives you kind of we've heard Donnie Nelson refer to the center position as like a bullpen like a you know a baseball approach to to that five spot of having uh, your lob threat having your stretch five having your big body and how if you don't have one of those max guys uh, at the center spot, then it's almost better to just do the bullpen type of approach. We've seen uh, got, uh, teams like Boston look at them in the playoffs when they have somebody like Daniel Tice, who's uh, you know what six nine, six ten, 
and he's not, I don't even know if he's making $5 million for their team, but they had him. They had Grant Williams they were throwing out at times, who is, I mean, a bigger, smaller four, four three, you know, rookie out of Tennessee. And then they had Robert Williams. They like, they were rolling with the bullpen type approach. Is DeLon a bullpen approach guard? In the sense of when you have like a Jalen Brunson, who like if you if you do want to make him just in a guard spot, and they don't do a three guards, you know, three guard lineup, is it you know you have these different guard, these different backup guards, and you know Jalen Brunson is more of a playmaker, run the offense type of thing. Trey Burke is more of your offense, you know, it's that's your guy that could give you a spot twenty five one night, and then. You have Delon, who is the lanky. I'm gonna do everything more defender type. Is it okay to have you know a bullpen type of approach to your backup guards? I guess is what I'm maybe trying to get at. And you know, as far as financially, we threw out there about Brunson. You know, he is signed to the three year deal. This year was the first year of that. Delon is guaranteed two more years in 2020 21. He's making nine million the year after that. 8.5 million. So for him, he is locked in for the next couple of years making, uh, you know, right now, once you get past Porzingis, uh, assuming Tim Hardaway, whatever happens with his, I mean, Delon is a top five paid player on the team. So, that's so weird. T- Cause that's not a lot four, of money. Really, I mean, you know, I know it's not a lot of money, but when you look at this Mavs roster outside of Porzingis and Tim Hardaway, you know, you're looking at, at you know Dwight Powell at eleven million dollars. Then you're looking at Delon. That's right there at nine, and you know then on down. Yeah, of the, like Delon, Maxi, Seth, all make basically the same amount of money. And I guess Luca's rookie contract is right there with them for now. Of course, Luca will far and away be you know he'll be up there with KP in a couple years. But but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, it's just weird. I mean, it's just weird because. We, we know that Rick loves guards off the bench. He loves going small. He loves having a lot of playmakers. And frankly, I mean, I, I, mm, I don't know. Do you, think, do you think that on opening night, you know, assuming, that they, uh, assuming there's no, like, insane roster move this summer where, you know, they're sending out five guys and getting one back or, you know, something crazy happens. Yeah. Do you think that – Luca is like Luca three wings and Porzingis or Luca two wings Porzingis pal is your starting lineup or do you think eventually they want to have like a sub six five guy starting next to Luca that's kind of like playing point guard because I mean somebody's yeah, got to defend point guards in your starting lineup and it was kind of Tim sometimes and you know other times it was Dorian but I mean somebody's got to be able to do that eventually right yeah, it's kind of like the blend, right? It's like you. we always wish we could maybe blend two players together. Could we have blended uh, Ryan Brokoff and Dorian Finney-Smith you know, last year? It's like, oh, that would have been a perfect 3D player you know, a couple of years ago. Or you know, could you blend Seth Curry and DeLon Wright? And the 40% three-point shooter offensive threat that Seth Curry is, but with the defense of DeLon, it's not a disrespect to the offense of DeLon or defense of Seth. It's just, that's just what they're known for. That's their strengths, you know? So that's the thing of, I think if it is a guard that's playing next to Luka, I think it has to be a guard that's going to be able to hit a three. I mean, everything goes back to what you said. Every roster move, everything that this front office is probably debating for the next years to come is how do you fit next to 77? That's the, like, that's the question. And one of the things is you got to be able to hit a three and can DeLon prove that? Can his decision-making prove, you know, 
that he can be in that starting unit. And we know he's a good defender. It's just offensively, would he immediately become, you know, what, would he immediately become what the Lakers did to Russell Westbrook in the playoffs of just daring him to shoot? Because that's what you don't want to happen with the offense of Luka and KP. You want all five guys to be be respectable on the floor as far as the other opposing team's defense. And can DeLon prove to be an outside threat like Seth is? I think that would be the question. Yeah, and I forgot all about whenever I was saying like Brunson, Burke, DeLon as a three-guard lineup off the bench. I forgot that if the Mavs do go back to Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, that means it's likely that Seth Curry will be moving to the bench as the roster stands now. And so that's a, that's even more guards. And then yeah. who knows, you know, J.J. is a free agent, and I, I don't know, you know, there was a quote that he gave for a Spanish news outlet where basically he said, I want to keep playing. I don't know if that'll be in Dallas or if that'll be whatever he said, like something he referenced going overseas. So I have no idea, but J.J. is another guy. I mean – there's so many guards on this team, dude. So you kind of have this logjam almost. So it, it it's really tough. It's really tough. So and, know, and knowing the Mavericks, they'll they'll go out there and draft a guard on you know, with their 18th pick and at 31 too. <laughs> they'll just be like, yeah. bring him in, <laughs> bring him in. Because I mean, the Mavericks remember they had Dennis Smith Jr. and then they go out and they take Jalen Brunson and we're like, what? Yeah. Like we, <laughs> yeah. they just drafted Dennis the year before and it's crazy how that all worked out. But it's. The Mavericks love guards, so yeah. never underestimate how many guards you can have on a Dallas Mavericks roster. Yeah, now I'm trying to figure out, do you think a Brunson-Burke-Curry-DeLon lineup would work? DeLon at the four. I think it might. I think it might Somewhere work. Rick Carlisle just got really excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's a big-time Mavs Daily fan, so I'm, I'm happy yes. he's enjoying this episode. Uh, but, yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I know, like, people have a lot of hot takes about DeLon because, like, anytime t- – anything goes wrong you you know you kind of want to scapegoat and and uh you know the point guard that they gave a lot of money to who was an average in 15 and 10 this season is an easy target sometimes so people can get frustrated a little bit with the inconsistencies but uh at his best there's really nobody else on the team that can do what he does except for maybe dorian like a guy who can just totally make his impact felt on the defensive end can make splash plays steals blocks uh you know just creating creating activity you know just creating something um a a lot of the players on the Mavs can do that on offense but not as many of them can do it on defense where you're making a splash play uh you know shifting the momentum and all that stuff and so uh I hope that they're able to kind of figure it out I don't really know what fully realized DeLon looks like in this system or anything uh but hopefully they can they can get to that place but um you know we'll see we'll see I don't know I mean I guess if, if we learned anything from the last 30 minutes or so talking on this podcast is that Brunson can really play and we know Burt can really play and we've seen DeLon really play too. But I guess the question is, you know, can, can they all really play together and, and, and how does that rotation work out? And can you have all of them on your team and be all right? Because, you know, they're not all going to get minutes, but then again, people get hurt, people miss time all the time, whatever. So I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, building a team is really hard and that's why I, I much prefer just talking about the players than I do like having to choose who's going to be on the team. Yes. The, the role of GM on a podcast is fun to play in real life. That would be very difficult. Yeah. It'd be really tough. It would be really, really tough, (laughs) but uh, all right. Well, are there any, uh, any, any final words or thoughts or memories or stories or takes or whatever ideas or things that you want to talk about? I would just I would just say as a reminder that 
it's all about our expectations, you know, and what we put out there for a player and how much money changes our expectations. And, you know, what what would our opinions be on Jalen Brunson if he had a three-year, $9 million deal per year that we gave up two second rounds for? You know, would would it be the same? Would it be any would it be any different of how we view it now as a steal at one point six of and so I think that going back to where we're talking about the team, you know, salaries, the fact that Delon Wright is right now the fourth highest paid player on the Mavericks, we did, you know, make make a trade that's and so a crazy. Of, I keep coming back to that. I'm sorry. That's in that's I know crazy. it is. It is, and it's like you know, he, he makes now a million dollars a year, and it's like we traded a couple second round picks. And that, that brings a level of expectation for fans when we see that. It's like, okay, well, we have to expect more of him than some of these players underneath him. And therefore, it kind of skews a little bit of how we view him and our opinions. But I think, I think yeah, he has to you know be consistently better across the board. And I'm anxious to see Jalen Brunson next year. And we know that, man, he, he has to be firing uh, at all cylinders to get back and play basketball because, you know, I had to kill him to see the Mavericks, his team, and see his – I mean, the chemistry between him and Luka – just seeing that from afar, it just seems, I mean, you guys seeing it, listening to this, y'all see it on social media, the jabs at each other and the fun stuff. Like it, they just seem like a blast to hang out with. And that's what you want to see, right? I mean, that's what you want to see in the team. If you, if there's one, I was talking about this the other day, it's like seeing this, this heat team, even seeing this Lakers team, both these teams seem like they love being around each other. And if you did like a power rankings of team chemistry teams that were in the bubble, it like Lakers and Heat are in that, but but the Dallas Mavericks have to be in the top five at least, top three maybe with those two teams. And Jalen Brunson, even though he wasn't there, it, like they all, he is all in, like they're all super tight. So I, I can't wait to see Jalen Brunson back on the court, back healthy, playing with Luca and those guys in training camp whenever training camp is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And and by all accounts, you know the the recovery is on schedule and everything, so he should be good to go. Just like Dwight Powell too. Um, and Courtney Lee, who also he wasn't able to play in the bubble at all because of a, a calf injury, but I think they should all be good to go by training camp. You know, hopefully it's in Dallas, but you know we'll see. But uh, yeah, well said, Isaac. Well said. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it as always, and thank you out there for listening. If you like more of uh, Isaac's stuff, you can check out Locked On Mavs. They're doing that still every single day, and uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Isaac L Harris. If you enjoyed this episode of Mavs Daily you can go ahead and smash that follow slash subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform and you can listen to every single episode you can listen to all the episodes we've recorded about all the other players so far we only have a few guys left that are missing i think you know who they are by now so you know what to look forward to for wednesday which is the next time we'll be with you we're looking forward to it he is isaac i am bobby this is mavs daily and we'll see you next time